Welcome back. This is Howl History. It's Derek here with Chad. We are post-NBA draft and on the eve of NBA free agency. Uh, we had planned multiple times to come in last week to talk about the draft, but it's a good thing we didn't spend too much time on it because there's a lot of uh, speculation for not a lot of activity. Uh, the Wolves made a couple moves on draft night, but none of the big trades, none of the big swings uh, ended up coming through. So it's uh, we're happy to be here back uh, to talking about Wolves. And for the most part, this is just for us to just look at each other in the face and not do this over text. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And uh, Chad, how you been? Good. Yeah, it gives my thumbs a rest not having to <laughs> try to text super fast and keep up with like, you know, it's like I'll be texting and then you respond. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I'm responding to. I'm responding. Right. So now I got to like, like, okay, you know, is he going to get this response? Because it was two texts ago that, I, <laughs> that I'm replying to. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier face to face. Absolutely. The magic of computers. It's funny. If something happens during the day, I can just switch over to my Mac and just use the, the iMessage app and just actually use my keyboard. Yeah. So, same. you know, I can yeah, text yeah. a lot faster on the Mac. But if, if, if we're texting in the evening, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't have the uh, I don't have the reporter thumbs to just get everything down. Mark Steiner I, and his Blackberry. I have my, my wife be sitting next to me. She's like, you're a really fast texter. I'm like, uh, not fast enough. Like, I'm like, <laughs> especially like during the draft. I'm like, oh, it just keeps like, going three different people and it's like constant you know like you know yeah. whether it whatever it is but i'm just like yeah i can't you know if something big is happening it's, it's hard to keep up so well it's just even while watching wolves games during the year there you know there's there's a crew who's you know tweeting through the entire game they're tweeting yeah. observations and thoughts and i'm like I, I don't bring a laptop to sit with while i'm watching the game so i, like, I always I can't wonder that, that like, stuff yeah when i'm even at the games i'll kind of watch look down at like dane and brit and be yeah. like well brit doesn't do a lot of tweeting during the game but dane does yeah um some of the other guys do and i'm just like are they how are they able to multitask and like i get it's their job so they're better at it than right. i am but yeah to be able to watch what's going on and not miss something while you're tweeting fast and furious mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like that's a that's an art that's a skill like, it is it, it would be uh it'd be tough because like when i'm at the game like people text me and i don't respond till like halftime like because i'm not really paying i'm like watching the game and, and it's different i'm there as a fan to yeah. enjoy it yep. they're there to cover it so i get that but it's just yeah it, it'd be hard because especially basketball it'd be different if it's baseball like you can easily tweet during a baseball Absolutely. game because it, yeah it's not like a minute and a half miss. between each pitch yeah yeah and whereas uh even football, like you can do that, but basketball or hockey, you know, they'd be hard sports to tweet, you know, and even, even hockey, it's like, are you really going to tweet about like a couple of random passes that don't lead to anything like basketball? It's always, there's like points constantly right. and there's, you know, so it's just, it's a tricky sport to cover live. It really is. You know, I've seen people say before, if you really want to grow like a following or whatever, you know, the, the best strategy is to like, you need to tweet 20 times a day, like. If, if you want to grow a following on Twitter, like that's the bare minimum. And I'm like, I just, I don't care about it enough to do that. Like I yeah. might throw out a thought like every my couple strategy, days. Yeah. My strategy, just retweet like Derek. times a year. <laughs> yeah. And retweet, retweet Derek and tweet like six times a year. Yeah. yeah that doesn't build a following. That's weird. Uh, absolutely. That, that's what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> One of these days we're going to have to build up our social media following, following to actually get uh, listeners to this. But, but for now it's just us. We're just here. We're, we're taking a look at the wolves. They made a big move. Quote, uh, quote unquote yesterday by retaining the the rights to uh torian prince he came back on a two-year 16 million dollar deal uh second year not fully guaranteed so um keeping the books dry for the next off season but at the same time bringing back a a valuable veteran a guy who really 
helped this team take a step forward last year. Um, I don't know if you could look at Prince's numbers uh, on the floor and decide that he's a guy worth eight million or you know dipping into you know resources that you might need for other players. But he, I think anybody that watched him, especially during the second two thirds of the season. Uh, knows what kind of value he provided and especially the shooting that he was able to bring off the bench for a good stretch and you know after January 1st um, really made a difference in how they were able to play so uh, any immediate thoughts on Ontario and Prince coming back next year I'm happy that they they resigned him to be honest I wasn't expecting it um, not that I wasn't expecting that maybe he that that was a strong possibility he'd be back I wasn't expecting it to happen before free agency kicked off mm-hmm. I kind of thought it'd be one of those the Wolves would hope that he wouldn't garner enough interest that they could ultimately re-sign him a couple weeks into this right. process. Yep. Um, I didn't expect it to happen now, and I didn't expect it to happen for I what I feel is a pretty cheap deal for for what he provides. Like he's, you know, one of the veteran presences on the team. He is a good, solid defender. He's a solid shooter. Like he's he's good at everything. He's not excellent at anything. Yep. Um, and the Wolves need guys like that because they have a lot of guys that are excellent at a few things, but but have weak core at other things. Yeah. yeah, and and Prince doesn't really have a hole unless you're saying, well, he's not a great, you know, post defender. Well, that's not his fault. Mm-hmm. You know, like he the fact that he's a, able to cover that area in, in when it's uh you know when you really need it is like a bonus. But for what he is, he's good at everything. He's not. He's just not. He has no glaring weaknesses. I guess. Um, so I, I'm pleased with the deal, and I'm pleased that it doesn't, you know, really stack things against us for next year. Um, it not only that, it opens up opportunities for us this year in the sense of, like we we talked about it last episode, we don't have a lot of contracts on this roster that make deals feasible because they're either really small deals or they're really large deals, and then nothing in between. And this is kind of another in between deal mm-hmm. that makes it possible if one of our rookies or or a trade brings in a guy that kind of um, becomes a redundant position to what Prince provides, then you can always maybe move Prince to a contender later, you know, at the deadline or whatever, and you have flexibility to get maybe something more you want because his contract is not bare minimum or maxed out. So, Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest surprise is that he was willing to accept this before free agency even began to go test the market and see what happened. You know, he seems like he really enjoyed his time here you know he and pat bev have a a good camaraderie and you know the impression between the two of them that they changed the culture in minnesota which i mean you can't blame them it was one thing before you know two years ago and it was a completely separate thing last year so i think ant had a large part to do with that as well but um bev and and prince coming in as the veterans you know were, were super valuable to the way that we were able to you know have a successful season and i i guess my thoughts if i had to put money on it heading into free agency would have been that um, they would have left this spot more of a as a flex spot to take a look at guys maybe that uh, Connolly has more familiarity with. You know, it's kind of that three four role that we've seen plenty of guys kind of roll through. You know, whether or not they're going to go after Jamichael Green, you know, for that role or um, other guys that he has more familiarity with. Like I, Prince has value, but it's kind of a it's kind of a spot that you play with that veteran presence in the front court. You know, um, so I I. I I'm pleasantly surprised that they were willing to, you know, just kind of lean on Finch and the experience that he had and, you know, with these players and just kind of say like, you know what, if we're going to just have a veteran forward on our roster, bringing the, back the guy that, you know, helped the team get where, to where it was last year, especially on what is essentially a one-year deal, 
is the right way to go. So I'm very pleased with that. Yeah, and I think the other thing, it you know, like Conley has said over and over, it's when people ask him specifically about a, a personnel type question, he's always kind of puts it back on, well, that'll be up to, to Finch. And uh, this kind of proves that he's not just saying that for the sake of saying it. Like he has a lot of trust in in Finch's um, sort of system and in Finch's desires for the type of players he wants. And it obviously I, this to me looks like a Chris Finch decision. He just said, no, Torian Prince is important to what I'm trying to do. I want to bring him back and Conley made it happen. So, um, and, and you know, give credit to Prince as well. Like you said, he seemed like he had a good time here. He said at the end of the season, he hopes to come back. He hopes mm-hmm. to sign a multi-year deal here. And he did just that. Like sometimes you, you see those exit interviews and you're like, well, that's just right. Like, what are they going to say? They're, of course they're going to say, they're happy to be here and they want to be back, blah, blah, blah. Oh, especially but, a guy that just needs a contract. He wasn't guaranteed a spot, right, you know. Right. It has no real other, like, long-standing time here or any other connections to, this, to the team or the state or anything. So it's like he didn't need to, to say that, nor did he need to mean it. <laughs> and it seems right. like he did mean it. So Absolutely. So, I mean, I think that's exciting. It's a good first step, um, at least in making sure that you have a fallback option at some of these forward spots, whether it's a three or the four moving forward. Um you know, we brushed over it at the very beginning, but we also did have an NBA draft. Uh, the Wolves came in with, you know, pick 19 and three picks in the second round. They ended up walking away with four rookies, but not at the spots that they were initially uh, slotted to pick. They came out with uh, Walker Kessler and Wendell Moore Jr. in the first round, uh, a center and a wing, and then uh, stepped into the second round getting a, a project in Josh Minot from Memphis, as well as the Italian rookie Rubio in a draft and stash. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on, on Spagnolo. Uh, but we can talk about the other three a little bit. Uh, lots of attention paid to Kessler. I think there were rumors heading into uh, the draft that there was somebody that the Wolves were interested in, at least. Uh, some consternation among the Wolves fan base that they were just going to go draft the fourth best center you know, in the draft. And I think you look at a big white guy and it gives you immediate flashbacks of Randy Brewer, you know, going or going with Paul Grant and Luke Longley and you know, whatever the the run happened to be on white centers, you know, in the Kevin McHale days. But uh, I think this is different. I think we've we've gotten a lot of information about him ever since the draft came out on what he, he is able to do, what his skill set looks like. Um, and I think even if we take a look at it from a conservative point of view, there's nothing wrong with this pick. So I, I, I want to get your initial thoughts before I, I really dive into, you know, you know what I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I watched any of Walker Kessler, let alone a lot mm-hmm. of Walker Kessler. So I only really know, you know, from the highlight packages. And then I, you know, read up a little bit of stuff on him after the draft because, you know, you knew yeah. he was going to be on the team. And I like the fact that he is a elite level shot blocker. Um, they, like all the people that talk about him, whether it's, you know, his college coaches or Conley also talk about his potential as a shooter, maybe long-term because, while he didn't shoot a very good percentage in college, his shot form looks good. And, you know, a couple of people made the point of all the players on the bench would raise their hands when he'd shoot like they were expecting it to go down, meaning, or what they took that to mean is that he makes a lot of those in practice and that he's known by his teammates as a good shooter. So that's um, reassuring. I We needed a rim protector. Um, I like the fact, I think I texted you the night of, I like the fact that they didn't draft a big, who doubles up on what Cat and to a lesser extent Nas already do. Like yeah. Nas, we've talked about a lot, or I, I say a lot. I don't want to put this 
thought on you if you don't agree, but <laughs> that Nas is a um, poor man's version of Cat. Like, right. Yeah. And he uh, he he his weaknesses are the same as Cat's weaknesses, and it's only more glaring because you he's coming in, and you're kind of like oftentimes when you put a, a bench player in. You're expecting them to kind of give you a different look or a different wrinkle to what your starter does, and Nas doesn't. And on some hands, that's a uh, a strength, but on in this case, the Wolves have no rim protector on the team, and mm-hmm. so Kessler certainly does that. I don't know how good of a rebounder he'll be. Um, his rebounding numbers were okay in college. I don't know that I would say that they were special to the point where you're like, oh, well, he's going to immediately solve that need as well. Yeah. I don't know that you know we'll have to see that how that plays out, but. So I'm I'm cool with the pick overall. Yeah, I mean I, I look at him and, and then more uh, as well who we'll get to, and I think there are, there are plenty of reasons to just take them as being good picks on their own right. Um, I could also my 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 immediate thought when this happened was that they are getting to a point now with Nas Reed and Jalen Noel where they had them on the Gupta special. They had their you know their four year minimum contracts. They had young cheap guys at these roles kind of stepping in as a backup wing or a backup center base and then hopefully growing into a strong rotation piece but they also may be looking at it as or at it as a scenario where this is kind of the type of salary that they need to have on the roster to round out what's going on and they see noel and nas being if not this offseason within 12 months of needing raises and for me this was at a bare minimum replacements for that in terms of roster building so that you are protected against a large race coming in that you're not prepared for because Nas is the only backup center on the roster or Noel has worked himself into a position where he's somebody that you absolutely need in that wing depth. Now, there have been public comments by Chris Finch recently, which makes it seem like Noel is absolutely going to be stepping into a role where they want him to earn a larger role and earn a larger salary moving forward. But um, but at a bare minimum, I thought this these two coming in at the salaries that they're going to be, you know, late first round picks are about two and a half million each is a, a very good replacement, at least long-term for the Nas and Noel salary spots where you can say like, you know what, if you guys demand too much, we're going to let you walk. We've got somebody who now has one year of experience in our system and can st- immediately step into that role. So I know you don't want to waste first round picks on just, Hey, we got this, you know, fourth big and this fifth, you know, fifth guard. But at the same time, like, if those are guys who played large roles for you last year, which they did at different times, like I said, the bare minimum outcome for this is that you now have guys to replace that on your bench. Um, the hope is that they become more than that. And, you know, Kessler being a true center, um, and it really seems like they're kind of lean into that strategy a little bit more than we've seen in the past, having a true center next to Carl. Um, and then with with more as I, I believe in, in the conversations that we've had and the comments that have been out there, he's more of a 2-3 than a 1-2. You know, I think there were some initial thoughts right after the draft that he'd be kind of a a Malcolm Brogdon type player where he's just a big point guard, but not necessarily a, a lead ball handler, somebody to play next to a primary guy like like Ant, um, which he still may grow into. He's a good facility, he's a good ball mover, um, but I don't know if he's going to be a, a creator, So, um, at least at first. So it, stepping in as a wing more so than, than a guard, um, I think is a is going to be his role and we'll just have to see where he gets minutes this year and you know what happens in free agency but um but i think there's value in the play just to make sure that you are getting solid guys that you trust to be here for four years to provide something on a, you know a lower contract especially at that center position because if it's 
if you're not getting an all NBA type center, you don't want to be wasting a lot of money at the center position. So if you keep cycling through guys who are going to give you a big body, going to be valuable and then have the next guy waiting in the wings when that contract runs up and they demand a raise, I'm not opposed to that strategy either. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that either. I, you know, the idea of drafting to hit a home run versus drafting to get a couple base hits or mm-hmm. a double, um, I that tends to be my philosophy. We we texted about that on draft night that we kind of both feel the same way. Like you'd rather take a big swing and miss than to take like a safe safe right. swing, you know. Um, but the reality is, is like where we picked, you know, we, we traded down and. Like there was, there weren't any players where I was like, "Wow, I'm really intrigued by this guy's talent." I I hope we take right. a shot on this guy. Like, I I look back to the draft of DeAndre Jordan. I wanted him really yes. bad. I he think was available. He, many of us did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because and, heading into heading throughout the entire college basketball season, Chad Ford had him as a lottery pick, as a top ten guy. You know, and then all of a sudden, you didn't get any news heading into the draft that he was no longer that. So as he kept slipping and slipping and slipping, you know, everybody was like, just get him. You know, yeah, right. He's right there for the table. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, that that's just one of the examples that, you know, immediately comes to mind of a guy where you're like, well, we wasted our – we could have had him. Well, I don't and, – and I didn't follow college basketball as closely this year, and I definitely didn't do any – research like I normally do because mm-hmm. our pick was so far back that it's like so many things could happen that like I could do all this research and not be researching the right guys where we're going to pick anyway because right. you just never know so I just sort of went into the draft the way I do with more like football drafts and just like this is my opportunity to kind of learn who these guys are and so um so there weren't I mean I did a little bit of precursory reading on, yeah. on guys and I was just, like there was nobody that I was like okay if this guy drops I I would take a shot at him, even though he's same position as Ant or he's the same position as position as Cat or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I just didn't ha- see anybody like that available. So there, there are guys like Minot. I think is one of those guys that could be a right. Home he run was swing. the swing. Yep. Yeah, and I think the Wolves did it. I think Rosas is very much like everything he does is he's swinging for the fences every single time he's up, and that's why you end up with. I mean, and he he's been really successful at it. Um, I think Ant was that. You know, Lamelo. And even Wiseman, to a lesser extent, probably would have been the safer picks. Mm-hmm. And he went with Ant when he, he didn't have to. He had the number one pick. Um, Jaden was another guy that was, felt like a home run swing. Right. And it's turned out to be, if not a home run, a triple yeah. at, at worst. And I think it's looking like a home run, I mean, compared to where he was drafted. So I mean, Kessler um, and Moore are not Jaden and Balmero. Like, no. They're completely separate strategies in drafting. Yep. Yeah. And, and Moore, I like... Like, he was one of the guys that I did kind of read a little bit more on, thinking, oh, he might be there. Or, like, that might be a guy at 19. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we got him later, I was I was excited about that. I wasn't as big on some of the power forwards that a lot of, like, local writers yeah. were, um, you know, talking about as maybe those are the guys we would go for. Either because they were too short, they were, mm-hmm. like, 6'8 power forwards, um, or they were too slow, or whatever, like they had something in them that I wasn't like crazy about. So I, I would have rather, I'm glad they went with like a Kessler who's like an elite shot blocker. Right. He has his six, skill. Eight, right. Yeah. Then a six, eight Craig Smith type power forward, even though I love Craig Smith, I just like, it's a different era now. And so like, I, I like the fact that Kessler brings something that we don't already have. Like I think Vando is going to be a better rebounder than those guys that we were looking at mm-hmm. as potentially drafting that power forward. But is Vando, can Vando, 
um, replicate the blocking shot blocking that Kessler does? No. Can Cat? No. Mm-hmm. Like so, Kessler is an immediate value add because he's offering something that nobody else on this team can do anywhere close to as well as he does yeah i mean you want more than a once every three game center out of a first round pick no matter where you're picking but if he can fill the role that we were clamoring for all year in when we play a big team Nas can't cut it we need somebody else to do to fill this role there's value in that i mean how even if it's two extra wins because we didn't just submarine when cat went off the floor because Nas couldn't keep up with somebody that was more physical than he was i think that's worth value you know that has value so yeah and And i think i mean the the reality is is like when you're picking from like 18 on in the nba draft you got about a 60 percent chance that those guys are only going to play every third game yeah it's just like it's rare that you pull like a really good player out from there you know from that level it's it's not rare to pull a guy that contributes and that you know and that's that's where this will be a failure is if neither Moore or Kessler are contributors at all. Mm-hmm. Like if they just become DNPs all year long or, you know, even if it's like they're project players yep. and, and beyond, um, that would be the bigger issue than whether or not like they missed out on a guy that became a home run for me. Absolutely. I mean, and, and we all get that. So I don't think that the judgment can even really come in their rookie year. I think Connolly has shown a penchant for wanting to have a good backlog of players so that as guys get more expensive or as they move out in the future he has somebody ready to step in um, is kind of what happened to Beasley in the first time when he was with him in Denver you know he just they didn't have to pay him what he was worth because they had other guys ready you know so I don't I don't have any problem with that strategy to make sure that you just always have somebody in the pipeline ready to step in um, if you are presented with the opportunity to make a bigger move somewhere else yep and you got to trust them. I mean he's got a track record of hitting on guys like that like yep. um, i think it's to some fans it'll be a letdown because it's not the roastest approach which is more exciting mm-hmm. in the fan world because you're like wow like we got this guy who was a top 10 prospect uh, coming out of high school you know but again my not does that so like we got a little bit of everything i think in this um in this draft yeah absolutely you know but that does leave us in, a, in an interesting spot heading into free agency where the wolves even if josh Minot signs a two-year or a two-way deal uh, they have 14 guaranteed uh, salaries on the roster. Um, and I guess guaranteed is incorrect because as of today, they still have uh, one more day to make a decision on Nas Reed and Jalen Noel and their options for the upcoming year. But if they retain both of them, they're at 14 players. And that includes, you know, D'Lo, Ant, Jaden, Vando, Cat, you know, the, the typical or expected starters. Um, and if you even move Jaden back to the bench and move Beverly in, he's up to six. We've got Jalen Noel, J-Mac, Beasley, Balmero, uh, Moore and Kessler now. Prince is coming back, and then we still uh, that leaves us at 14. So they're in an interesting spot, trying to figure out um, how to improve this team, uh, which would seem to be difficult to do just through free agency because they only have that one open roster spot. And sure, they could just go out and use their mid level, um, but I think there's going to have to be some some purging at different positions to even have minutes to go around for different guys. Uh, any thoughts as you take a look at who is currently on the roster as to who, I guess if you had to name your top three most likely players to not be on the roster heading into next year, who would you be looking at? I would say, I mean, the obvious ones, Beasley and D'Lo only because of the smoke around the trade top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, and then Okogi's the easy answer because they didn't pick up his option so he's a unrestricted free agent so those would be the the guys i 
I think you have to start to believe Finch when he says things. And Finch has said the growth on this team is going to come from Ant, Jaden, and Noel. Yeah. And I think, like, the fans who are are expecting big trades every single summer, I just don't think that's realistic. You don't build any momentum on a team by, like, replacing your core pieces every 12 months. And um, I that's not to say I'm, I'm against, like, the the Murray trade mm-hmm. rumors with D'Lo and stuff. I, I feel like it's a lot to give up three draft picks plus D'Lo, especially because I think it could turn out to be like the Wiggins deal where we get Murray and he's fine, but then D'Lo blows up and is like a superstar in San Antonio because I, you know, like, look, everybody sees D'Lo's talent. They, they know it's there. And Pop might be the right kind of coach to unlock all that, similar to the way Kerr made it look like he did for Wiggins. Um, and D'Lo's kind of like a rich man's version of Tony Parker to me in terms of like his ability. You know, he might not have had the success that Parker had, but he has this, the skill set of Tony Parker only, I think it's better. And um, so I could see him being really good there. So anyway, point being, I think, I think Beasley's the more expendable player. Mm-hmm. I only think D'Lo's expendable is in a trade that brings back a point guard. I yep. think it's really hard to Or if you trade. have another strategy to get a point guard. Yeah, or yeah. if Beasley brings back a, a cheaper point guard and then D'Lo brings back a more expensive power forward. But you have to have a third star coming back, I think, to... Otherwise, the fans are going to be mad about that, right? Like, I, I think it's a weird spot because, like, if the fans are going to be mad if they don't take a big swing in a, in a trade and, you know, D'Lo's the guy they want to sort of sacrifice to the, the, the trade talks... And then they're going to be mad if they trade D'Lo for a, a handful of parts that are not a third star caliber um, deal. And so I think that brings uh, – so I, I just – I think people are going to be more satisfied if they go into this with open minds in term, this summer. Yeah. Because I don't think the only way to improve is by a trade. I think this is a really young team. That, that's the advantage the Wolves have had over all the other teams in the West is that we are really we are a playoff team. We're the youngest team in the playoffs. So that, by definition, means like you have the most room for growth and your your players are already on the roster to get better. So I'm not I guess what I'm saying is I won't be necessarily disappointed if they if they just they add one more piece with like a mid-level deal to be. I would like it to be another power forward that can actually earn a lot of minutes. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that Minot will be ready to kind of play that role. And Minot kind of feels a little bit like a Vando where he's not a bulk rebounder. He's a yeah. springy athletic rebounder. Um, so like that would be the type of guy I would like to see them at. And if we come back with Delo, I'm totally cool with that because I think selling Delo on the low is going to result in all these back and forth talks on Twitter that most fans have had about Wiggins versus Delo mm-hmm. and some of the, not not all fans, but some fans were like, feel like we got the short end of the stick on that trade. So, um, and I, you know, I don't think we did, and I, I think that's something to keep in mind for this off season is just to like maybe have a little bit of patience on on this roster. Yeah. So you named two. You named Beasley and D'Lo. Do you have a third? Of not being here, like that's still under contract. Yeah. Oh, Kogi was my third, being that because he's already right, but he's out already. He's out. Yeah. So. I don't think anybody else is going to go anywhere, to be honest. I don't think Not Beverly's. Even I mean, I, could he? Sure. Do I think it's likely? I don't think it's really that likely. Because I think 
his salary is so small that maybe he's filler for mm-hmm. a Delo deal, but that would require them both of them going right, like or filler for a Beasley deal. I don't think it's going to be Nas by himself. I think that there's there's a scenario where both or where all three of Nas, Kessler, and Cat are playing, not on the court at the same time, but where they're all getting minutes yeah. on a regular basis. Um, it might limit Nas's minutes. He might not have those bursts of like 25, 30 minute games when Cat's in fall trouble and stuff, but. Um, I think that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's been enough smoke about the Wolves still being interested in more of a full-time center to put next to Cat, and I don't think they closed that gap with Kessler due to the fact that he is a rookie, that now that you do have Kessler, I don't think you'd go into next year with four centers on your roster. So if they are still looking at that as a, as a potential solution, if they're going to look at, as, at an Isaiah Hartenstein or a you know, JaVale McGee or even a Mo Bamba who is their Orlando's declining his qualifying offer. So he'll be unrestricted. You know, like you're not going to also keep Nas on the roster in that scenario. So then you look to move him for, for depth somewhere else. So I, I guess if I were putting together my three, he would be third on my list. As, as I mean, I agree. I agree with that rationale that if, if they do get a full-time center, I don't know that the the light smoke of the Miles Turner rumors or the Rudy Gobert rumors are mm-hmm. enough for me to say, yeah, that's their plan A or even plan B or even plan C. Yeah. I think that's a ways down their list. I think what what that those rumors were were Conley and or Finch looking at like, okay, who's the biggest name, biggest impact player we could bring in? And those names come to the top because they're all available. Mm-hmm. And that's why that the Wolves maybe have like put out feelers to see what would it take. Um, but I don't know that I would expect a big move for one of those. I, I think if that would mean Delo would have to be traded. I think it's easier to, to get a guard back for Delo than to add one of those guys and then go into the season with Beverly as your main point guard. I just, I think that's really, really asking a lot. Yeah, I, I think I, it I is think. too. You know, I think Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks were on his, his podcast recently talking about, and they talked specifically about the Wolves and, you know, what the path forward is based off of the recent rumors of who we might be looking at, either Rudy Gobert or DeJounte Murray. And they kind of hypothesized as to the, the conundrum of being in a spot where you can either invest in a center next to Cat and then kind of have that rotating set of point guards, you know, the mid-level point guards to put next to Ant, since you're hoping Ant takes more of a playmaking role, or invest in the point guard and then have a rotating, you know, center rather that's you know whether that's a starter next to cat or somebody who is more qualified to be relied upon behind cat you know it, so i think that's it's an interesting conversation to have you know it, dep- it always depends on what you can get at that other spot you know if you're looking at a a gobert and uh tyus jones combination heading into next season if you know if you want to use your mid-level and delo or if you want to even trade beasley in a sign and trade for uh, for Tyus, you know, then you could possibly take a look at what that looks like, or you head into next season with a Dejounte Murray and Isaiah Hartenstein if you want to. If you're swinging big, if we're talking about what this looks like, and them investing and going all in this off season, so um, I think it's worth you know it's worth the discussion and the and the you know hypothesizing about what the future would look like in both of those scenarios. I think we've both been in the same spot for a while now that the most likely scenario is that D'Lo is back here next year, and they don't use that salary to swing a big trade. I mean. If you're going to look at a guy like DeJounte Murray, they're asking for three to four first-round picks to go along with whatever you send out, even if it's not D'Lo, even if it's Beasley and four first-round picks, that's that's still prohibitive. Um, and then the, the all of the news out of Utah is that they're also asking for 
most likely way more than they're going to get for Gobert at the moment. So uh, I don't know, like neither of those paths seem to be likely and or uh, smart moves for the Wolves at the current asking prices. So I think it just depends on whether that or not that changes or something else pops up that we're not seeing at the moment. Um, but at least in terms of roster, roster construction and where the team moves forward from here, if they wanted to make their one all, you know, all in big move this offseason, I think it's worth a discussion. Yeah, I I do as well. I mean, I think Dejounte Murray is really appealing to me. I think um, I was hoping when that rumor first started to kind of percolate that that teams would be like, ooh, three first round picks and mm-hmm. you know whatever salary you have to send back, which is going to be a decent player or a complete washed out player. But I, I was like, more, they, they, all of a sudden they start getting linked to a bunch of teams, like a half a dozen teams, and you're like. That's why they also now are asking for four first round picks yeah. because it's like a lot of teams are interested in him at three first round picks, and I felt like three first round picks plus Delo is a lot to give up. I, so, and I still feel like that's that's. I think, I think at that point you revisit the Ben Simmons mm-hmm. idea and see. Well, what if what about Ben Simmons? And it, it's problematic because Delo doesn't fit in Brooklyn with Kyrie, Kyrie right. as well as Kyrie fits with. Um, with uh, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, but um, you know, so now that Kyrie sort of signed his his deal, I I don't think that means Kyrie's content being there. I st- like I think everybody's like, wow, like was Kyrie just trolling on everyone to just get that new deal? I think it's both. I think he was he was r- uh, eagerly looking to get out of there, but he was also wanting the deal, and so he got the deal. Well, that doesn't mean he's not going to be a pain in the butt the rest of the summer to force his way out of there. Mm-hmm. Um. I still think that could be in play. So if that's the case, then Adilo back to Brooklyn, you know, if they're blowing things up and, and moving KD as well, or if just Delo next to Durant is probably better than Simmons next to Durant, depending on what else you get for Kyrie or whatever. So yeah, if, um, if that thing, if that whole situation had gone south these last few days with Kyrie threatening to walk or decline his option or looking for trade scenarios and then, you know, if that had led to Durant asking out, I think absolutely the Wolves would have been right in on Ben Simmons to try to jump on that scenario to help them rebuild, get recoup some picks that they had lost in in trading for those guys in the first place. But, um, but at, at the moment, it's it's so it's going to be a wait and see with them to see if something else right you know happens there. So, but no, I I mean I'd be all in on Ben Simmons. I and I think like you said, if they're waiting on if San Antonio is waiting on something in the realm of four first round picks, if they're looking for even more than the Drew Holiday package then it's just going to be a matter of is now is making a move now necessary or can we wait for the rest of the off season to see if something else perks up can we wait for next trade deadline or can we take a look at next year when we have this gigantic hole in our cap sheet when we can make a move without taking on unwanted salary or we don't have to even send back salary to a team that's looking to take you know to shed a set to a player and you know i think there are just we're not we haven't reached the end of our window yet to the point that we can say, you know what, next like this is our last season before all the, the the salaries kick in. This is our last chance to add a player before we're tied into whatever our core is. So, um, knowing that we have next off season, I think the Wolves are in a pretty good, at least, negotiating spot to say we don't have to make this move right now. And yeah, maybe that means we get pushed out by the strength of the Western Conference for one season, but we're going to make a move next year and we're going to be right back in it. And I, I don't know that it even means that you're pushed out. I mean, like, I don't... I, you're not guaranteed to, be, guaranteed to be pushed out by any means, but 
if you find yourself in the ninth spot instead of the seventh spot, because all of a sudden the Clippers, you know, and New Orleans are better next year, you know, then that's a, that's a possibility. I mean, we'd be, you know, it's a possibility, yeah. but it's also a possibility of the Wolves growth from within is yeah. enough to be still better than the rest of them. Um, so, or, you know, the other teams that were below us, even, you know, this year, and then there's going to be other teams that drop. Like, I think there's real possibility. Like Utah won't yeah, be there Utah anymore. Utah could yeah. fall out. Dallas um, is looking to lose Brunson. They could be in a harder spot. So there's yeah. going to be lots of, lots of flux. Right. Yeah. So I, I just like, I, I see it on Twitter, you know, from, from people I follow and people I respect quite, quite frankly, but who will kind of like have the sky is falling approach of like, well, if the wolves don't make a big deal and, and trade deal for a, a big name player or whatever the case right now, they're screwed. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to do like, and I just, then how little do you think of Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels mm-hmm. and how little do you think of cat who's still really young for a superstar player? Like to me, that's just, you're underselling what those guys could and should be. Um, and if you're just thinking like, Oh, well they're going to be good. Like, it's like Memphis. If Memphis would have had that approach last off season, they were kind of like that. I think they're a good example because they're one year ahead of the wolves in this process. Yeah. I feel like, and they got jaw year before we got um ant and mm-hmm. they, you know and and they're they don't in, in fact in some ways the wolves have a leg up on them because we have a towns next to them that they don't have anybody at the level of towns nope. next to jaw um and not that saying the ants at jaw's level yet but they're if, a lot if close. he gets if he gets there then uh, he's a lot closer to yeah. jaw than, than anybody else in memphis right. is, yeah yeah at, at carl so um and frankly I, you know, if you want to even just compare biggest stars, I think Carl, I think Jaw's more exciting. Mm-hmm. Carl's a better player than John Moran. I, I personally believe Jaw. Like, look, they won just as many games without him. Like, he's a great for TV player. Not saying he's a, a empty stats guy or anything like that. I'm just saying I don't think he's like this super impactful star player in the way that other guys like if Carl Anthony Towns is it on the Wolves team they don't win just as many games without Carl Anthony Towns if everybody else is healthy yeah it's not even close so he's extremely impactful to this team's odds of winning or losing John Morant just isn't that's just fact I mean mm-hmm. there's a big sample size it's not even just a couple games it's a big sample size and um so point being Memphis is a, a year ahead of us in this process. And if they would have panicked last year and made a big move to get another star, where would they be? Did, did that mean that like that they were not going to be the two seed this mm-hmm. last year because mm-hmm. they didn't make a move? No, they made the two seed anyway because they just improved from within. They had their, their younger players stepped up. They got better. You know, Bain got better. Like, And I think that's what the expectation should be for the wolves. The expectation shouldn't be, you need to have help from outside. The expectation should be, this team's going to be good, whether they make any moves or not, and or should be good. And if they're not, that's a problem. Yeah. But if they don't add somebody that shouldn't necessarily be an automatic failure. Um, because I think they should have faith in the guys that they have to get better. Yeah. And I have, I mean, I think, it's very reasonable, and none of us want to admit this or even talk about the, the possibility, but it's, it's very reasonable to see Connolly coming in and saying, this is not the summer to make the move. Like, And no matter what that brings this upcoming season, like, it may not be a playoffs, 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 playoffs. It might be a playoffs, play in, higher playoffs, high, home court, home court, home court. You know, So if, if he's looking at this as 
that if we make a move right now, we're selling ourselves short in the long term. But if we just wait one more season and lose five more games this year, then we can have an even higher ceiling. I, I'm, I'd be okay for that. I don't think that this is, you know, this last this season is the end of the window. And you, you brought up Memphis, and I have two, I have two main thoughts on that. And the first is that I wanted to, I have, I've not spent the time doing this, so maybe I'll do it before our next, our next episode. But I wanted to take a look back at that Jonas Valanciunas for Stephen Adams trade because at the time I think it was very widely misunderstood, um, either misunderstood or led a lot of people looking at Memphis's offseason last year thinking, what are you, what are these guys doing? They, you know, they have, they don't have a plan. They're just bringing on players, especially when they traded Beverly for Culver and Wancho, two players that were never going to contribute for them. And it just, it felt like a bad offseason for Memphis last year. I would love to go back and look at the moves they did make and see how they actually impacted getting to the two seed this year because they did something right so and whether that's they brought in a player like Adams who was widely known to have less value than Valanciunas but fit their team much better or if it was getting rid of um you know they had Eric Bledsoe I think who they sent out initially for for Pat Bev you know to get him from the Clippers in the first place whether that move was to clear playing time for somebody else it's just you know it, it would be a very interesting process to go back and look at what Memphis did last offseason to set themselves up for what this season became. And that's that's something, like I said, I haven't done that yet, but I would like to. Yeah, and, my, and I haven't like done it to the, mm-hmm. that level either. I just think my feeling on it is, is it those moves, Valanciunas for Adams, I, don't, I think they were looking for who's a center we can get that we don't lose a lot by trading Valanciunas for. Adams is a, a guy that is, you know, similar to, to Valanciunas in size and like he's going to slow things down a little bit. He's a force underneath, you know, all those things. And so they're not losing a lot there. I, I don't, but I really think it's really just, it's the all, all tides kind of rise at the same time. Like all these other guys, these smaller mm-hmm. or younger players kind of got better all at the same time. They got more comfortable in the system. All the kind of things that I think as Wolves fans, that's what the expectation should be is that w- we had one full year under Chris Finch's system. We have a, we're coming into year two, a full year two. I know he was here for part of the year, the year prior, but coming into a full year two, that system can improve yet even a little bit more. A couple more wrinkles can be added, you know, those kinds of things. And as a whole, that team can get better um, that way. And you, you'll see more improvements from Jaden. I mean, look how good Jaden was on the stretch of the yeah. season. Um, so you expect him to take a big, another big leap, you know, Ant to take another leap. Um, you know, like I, there's certain things you won't see happen. Like, I don't know that Beverly can keep playing as many games or as many minutes as he played. So maybe some of that has to go away, but maybe Vando takes another step. D'Lo can certainly still have, Mm -hmm. um, a better, more significant role. And I don't really necessarily think it's just like he has to improve. It might just be that they have to get him involved more than what he has been. He's been the, the guy of the big three that has had to sacrifice the most of his game. So I, that's why I've even from the day after the playoffs, I was just not on board with like sell D'Lo, get rid of him, just get him off the team because he had a bad playoff mm-hmm. run. Uh, I just, I always thought like patience was a key here because he can be a better player than a lot of the guys you could bring back a, but B like if it doesn't work out in your, this next year with D'Lo, you can bring in a max guy then, you know, like it's just no reason to panic over a playoff series where the best defender on the opposing team was guarding the player. You're ready to, yeah. Out, you know. Yeah, and I, you know, speaking of D'Lo and Memphis, there were new rumors that popped up today 
that the Wolves would have have shown interest in bringing back Tyus Jones for a reunion. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that looks like. There have been thoughts uh, that while Tyus proved his value last year, especially when Jaw was down, especially when Jaw was down in the playoffs, um, that he's more than a mid-level guy that he should be starting for somebody. I, I don't know if the market is there for that. I don't know if there are teams out there with the cap space that are able to make a run at him um, to give him, you know, 14, 15 million dollars to come in as a starter. So unfortunately for our good friend Tyus, he might be in a position where he's finding himself looking at mid-level offers again. Um, I could see value with him on the Wolves. He'd fit great next to some of their players, especially offensively. But once again, it's, it's not going to be a guy that makes a, a lot of sense, especially with the the depth that they have at guard that we talked about previously, unless D'Lo is going out the door. And I think if we're so far away from understanding what that would look like, that we can't really even begin to hypothesize on a, a Tyus Jones joining this roster because is it, is it Tyus and Delos going out for a John Collins? Is it Tyus and Delos going out for a Rudy Gobert? You know what you know what what does this look this look like? We can't even really understand Tyus's role on this team unless we know what the other subsequent moves are. And I think we both like Tyus, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he, we're not going to bring him in as a just a, another backup point guard on this roster. Yeah, I definitely, I, I wouldn't waste the money on another point guard when power forward is a hole mm-hmm. because you don't really have a legit backup power forward. Even if Vando's your starter, who's your backup? Yeah. You have a bunch of uh, tweeners. I mean, Torian Prince at this point, right. Right, but he's yeah. a, he's really more of a three. Minot yep. is more of a three. I mean, he's skinnier than more for that for all intents and purposes, even though he's taller. So, like, you just don't really have a backup four. Um and so, which is why I didn't put Nas immediately in my mm-hmm. three most likely to leave because, like, you just even with Kessler, you still don't have like a lot of big guys. Like, you have yeah. a, a bunch of little guys, a bunch of wings, and a couple bigger, big-ish guys. Like, you don't. I mean, right? You, you, you I mean, you have smoking. three combined forwards, and that's assuming that Vando is technically a power forward, not a center, even though he plays right. a center spot on right. offense. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's just, um, I, like. Look, to your point about like and Tyus, like if yeah, if, if D'Lo went out and we somehow got back John Collins, I would be totally cool with them spending the money on on Tyus. Mm-hmm. Um, Even for, signing and trading Beasley for Tyus at that point to just yep. move a guy down a spot, yeah. Yep, yep, totally cool. With, like I, again, that's why I said Beasley to me is the most expendable. I just think you have a bunch of guys that can step in for him. You have Jalen Noel. He's not going to be the volume three point shooter that Beasley is, but he's a yeah, it's a different Bucket. team, but it's still a, a valuable player in that spot. Yep, yep, yep. And he he does some things better that will help, kind of help, and he'll do doesn't do some things as well, but maybe more becomes a, a spot of shooter. Torian mm-hmm. Prince did a really good job filling in for when Beasley was out. Well, and that's threes. one of the first things I thought of when Prince resigned was that yep, that is same. Beasley insurance. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Same thing. And so I did, I didn't read the Torian Prince signing as like oh they're not doing anything at power forward. I read that as like yes. oh well he's the insurance for Beasley's. He's our bench shooter. Yep. Yep. Exactly. No, I hear that too. So I, you know, I, there are other names that have been thrown out. You know, John Kay had his uh, podcast come out yesterday. He he threw out the names Javale McGee and Malik Monk as like potential free agents. You know, are free agents that exist. You know, or but I think it's it would be uh, fraught of us to take anything that John says and assume that he's just doing something without any type of sourcing. Uh, I think there's always a little bit of, of something behind what he says. So those are guys I'm going to keep my eyes on. Um, 
Hart- Isaiah Hartenstein's a guy that's been talked about a lot in Wolves, Wolves circles. I think Dane Moore brought him up a couple times as a guy, probably the guy he most he would most assume would be on the Wolves next year. Um, and if they're looking to bring in a mid-level center, I could very well see uh, that being a solution there. They just signed Zubats to a three-year extension, so I don't think they're bringing back uh, Hartenstein this upcoming season. So he'll be on the market. Um, we mentioned Mobamba. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. Anybody else that you've seen kicked around? Any other names that you've seen as uh, possibilities for the Wolves? Uh, well, one comes to mind. But I went, he hasn't been kicked around as a possibility for the Wolves, but I will throw it out there yeah. as one because it, Nurkic is a free agent coming out of Portland. He's got history with Conley. Conley liked him a lot in Denver. He just he had two really good centers at the time in Nurkic and Jokic, and he had to make a decision on one. Um, he talked about it even in an interview, or it might have been at his press conference when he got hired by the Wolves, about that situation that they really liked Nurk, but they had to make a move because they needed to open up playing time for Jokic, and that he, you know, and Nurkic was, could see that Jokic was kind of going to be the guy, and he wanted to get up to a place where he had more opportunity. So I could see, if if that's, that could be another guy that Conley might look at as that other big to add here. Again, he's not a power force, and all of a sudden you have like a lot of centers too, because you have Cat. Cat sort of becomes your the back of power forward then I think. Um, but you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I, what I like about Nurk is he's, he's a really big human, you know? Yep. And so, um, I would, again, I think that would be like a plan B or plan C. I think, you know, the guys you named would probably be the guys that they would be targeting first, but Hartenstein, I think you might have a lot of competition for, mm-hmm. um, Mobamba. I think you'll have some competition for Nurk. Nurk you probably will as well, but it, I think, at the, the competition you'll have for Nurkic, being that he might be that third wave of big man that goes, will be less desirable situations than the Wolves for Nurk. And so I could see Nurk coming, choosing the Wolves over those other ones if, if the money's the same. Yeah, the biggest competition I can see is Portland and the fact that they're trying to apparently straddle winning and bringing on young players. I don't really know what they're doing over there. The they make the, make the Jeremy Grant trade for a future pick, but then go out and pick Shaden Sharp, who's not going to be anywhere near ready to contribute this year. I, I don't, I don't know what their plan is to keep Dame happy. I don't know if they're even attempting to keep Dame happy. If they are, if they want to show him that they're ready to win, you know, they, they've got to keep Nurkic. They can't just let him walk. But um, I would say, I, I honestly just, yeah. I think that organization right now is kind of a mess. I don't really think they know what they're doing. I think they're they're reacting every situation they're reacting they're reacting in a vacuum yeah so they're not reacting as part of a bigger picture scenario so and maybe that's partly dame so maybe dame behind the scenes isn't be you know given the full commitment to stay in long i don't who knows you know mm-hmm. um i but that is a situation to watch that's another team that i think probably doesn't pass up the wolves this year um yeah i'm not, not worried back. about that yep I mean, them and Sacramento, they, the moves that they've made, I'm, I'm in no way afraid of them taking any steps towards where the Wolves are or being competitors. So uh, I think there will there will be threats from elsewhere. Um, lots of moves around the league the last couple of days. And by moves, I mean rumors or innuendos or guys declining options or whatever it happens to be. Um, anything else that's really stuck out to you, whether it's the Kyrie or Westbrook opting in, John Wall going to the Clippers, I think that's semi-interesting. He's a guy that I would have called out you know as a guy i would like to see the wolves take a flyer on if uh they had been able to get into that conversation after he got bought out by houston um there's a denver trade today with washington they sent monty morris and, and will barton over there so immediately tim Connolly's guys are getting shipped off uh after he moves over 
Yeah. I feel like that that that's a loss. I feel like Denver made a bad trade there. Um, I, th- I feel like they got worse. I'm not sure what they're doing. I think the I'm surprised to hear you say that you would have taken a flyer on John Wall because I thought you hated him. Um, <laughs> I, I agree. Like I would have been all for that, and I I actually think John Wall is going to be a problem. Yeah, I think L A. If they stay healthy, is going to be really good this year. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, lots of talk between New York and Detroit. Detroit's taking on all of New York's salaries so that New York can go out and make a gigantic offer to Brunson. Really, you look at what New York's given up for Brunson, it's way steeper than what they could have just gotten DeJounte Murray for. <laughs> it's it's really bizarre to me. Like, but I And I like Brunson. I just like, wow, this is a guy that's getting superstar treatment. Big right. Game. From one of the biggest basketball markets in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's so bizarre to me, but... So they're um, making moves over there. Yeah. You know, we've got a couple of restricted free agents who are going to be out there in Aiton and Bridges. It'll be interesting to see if they sign uh, qualifying offers or offers with any other teams. Um, so I think there's a lot to come up. The Wolves are sitting about $18 million underneath the uh, the luxury tax. So they got plenty of room to, to, to mess around and figure out what where they're going. They'll go use that mid-level, and we'll see if that's all they do or if they swing anything big. Uh, any last thoughts before we, we head into free agency, Chad? No, I'm looking forward to it uh, i think it will be more exciting than the draft in terms of player movement yeah i let's thought hope. that yeah i thought, thought there would be more trades i think every time that they're that sort of the national guys predict a big frenzy mm-hmm. it's like that's the sign that nothing's going to happen <laughs> right of any su- substance um because it's always comes out of nowhere like it seems like when there is a big frenzy yeah, I, I think so, somebody needs to go back in the last 10 years and take a look at who were the names that were predicted to be moved before the draft and who actually moved during the draft and see if there's any type of correlation. See, yeah. like, is it more than a 3% chance of that of those predictions being correct? Yeah, so. yeah it's, it was underwhelming from that standpoint. It's, I, I mean, it's like, so for Wolves fans, you're disappointed because, like, you didn't make the big DeJounte Murray trade. You didn't have a pick in the lottery like you're we're accustomed to right <laughs> so, you, so you had uh you had a couple picks of guys that are lesser known players because you're picking later in the draft and no big mm-hmm. trade to like be excited about it's like the the year we did we trade for ricky the same year we drafted ant yeah such a ridiculous draft that i night. know i mean it was like you get two of the best i think that was our best draft just on picks in franchise history. Yep. Between Ant and Jaden. Yep. And then you make one of the most popular trades yeah. in franchise history by bringing back Ricky. Yeah. You know, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. There was a lots of news that night. That was a fun oh, one. Such a fun draft night. So it's like everything's going to be a letdown after that. Absolutely. We're not getting that again. <laughs> no. The first overall pick in Ricky Rubio. Yeah. So come on. All right, buddy. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully, we don't need to do any uh, emergency podcasts. But if something big happens and they swing a big deal, then we'll we'll definitely be back on here. And I'll at the bare minimum, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. Have a good four. All right, buddy. See you later. See ya. Bye.